Thanks for listening to the Northridge Christian Podcast. At Northridge, we exist to help people move closer to Christ. We believe that following Jesus is a journey, and we want to help you through that journey any way we can. Sorry about that, guys. I thought there was a video, but there wasn't. So welcome, John, to the stage for the first time. Man, I am excited to be here. I don't know if you're as excited as I am, but you're probably not. I'm, I'm excited, though. Uh, but this weekend was originally supposed to be Jonathan's uh, day, but you know what happened, and man, he's getting better, and we're going to continue to pray that he gets better. But I am also a Jonathan. You may not know that, so I go by John. He goes by Jonathan. That's how we differentiate ourselves. So it's a pretty easy transition, right? Jonathan to Jonathan. So here I am. When Mike asked me if I wanted to preach this weekend, I was like, yes, please. I love this passage. I could talk so long. And then I realized I have to do it in 25 minutes. Like, I am good at condensing stuff, guys. I can talk fast, but this is a great passage, and I'm, I struggle. So we're just going to jump right in, if that's okay with you, and we're going to get going. Um, I want to give you just like a quick preview of where we're going. Uh, so the end of this passage that we're talking about, uh, it starts, well, actually it ends like this, that all the rules and religions, uh, all the law and the prophets are summed up in this. All the law and the prophets are summed up in this. Like, that's a big deal. If you're a Jew, all the law and prophets, that's everything. All the Torah, the rules, the the rabbis, everything they say, if you're a Jew, this is everything. So if if you are listening to somebody say that, that this sums up everything that you know that you've learned growing up, you might want to just like sit up a little bit and listen, right? And so I'm excited to bring this to you. Let me ask you, have you ever had an experience that somebody just did something for you. It's just like, wow, that was incredible. Why would they ever do that for me? Let me, let me brag on your, your Northridge uh, staff really fast. When Lindy and I moved here, we got this moving company, and we were excited. Like, they're going to pack up our stuff. They're going to move it out here. They're going to unload it. They're going to put it exactly where we want it. Like, this is incredible. We've never done anything like this before. Okay, long story short, it is the worst moving experience you've ever heard of. Okay, when we finally got our stuff here, well, when we got some of our stuff here, call it 90% of our stuff here, the movers moved it into our garage and just left it. And I'm like, you're supposed to move it into my house. You're supposed to set up my stuff. What am, what am I supposed to do with all of this? And so I texted my staff members that I had just met a couple weeks earlier. I'm like, hey, I need help. Within hours, they showed up. I had Mike and Adam and, and Mark. They're carrying all my big heavy box of books, you know, upstairs. You should have seen us struggling with this 2,000-pound couch. Um, Colleen, our office manager, she put together this, this uh, IKEA bed with no instructions. Just pieces everywhere. She figured it out. She got it together. Like, they showed up. They could have been doing anything. They probably wanted to be doing some, uh, something else, spending time with their family, you know, taking a nap. That's what I would have been doing. But they came within hours, and they helped us out. I, I truly believe that the staff here at Northridge fulfill this, this, the verse that we are going to talk about today. It, it's, it's Matthew 7, 12, and you've... You may not know this, but it's the golden rule. You've probably heard it growing up, and you may not have even known that it was Jesus that said it. 
It's called the golden rule. You may not know this because uh, there was a Caesar called Alexander Severus. He, he actually wrote this on his wall. Uh, Abraham Lincoln would use this verse all the time to explain the, why slavery was so wrong. This is considered the Everest, the pinnacle of moral and ethics. If you were to sum up everything into one sentence, this is it. So we're getting to the end of the Sermon on the Mount. And so Jesus says this. He says, so in everything. So because of everything I've talked about so far in the Sermon on the Mount, so in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Like, that strikes a chord in us, right? I mean, how many of your moms told you this growing up? Like, all of us. Like, our teachers, our, uh, they told us this all the time. We, we heard this. To the Jews that were listening, to the disciples, this would have sounded familiar. It would have sounded similar to something that they had heard before growing up, uh, but it was slightly different. For centuries, philosophers and teachers uh, and religious leaders had been saying something similar, and it's called the silver rule. And let me read some of these to you. Confucius, 600 years before Jesus said, what you do not wish for yourself, do not do to others. There's the, the Greek philosopher, Socrates, do not do to others that which angers you when you do it to them, or when they do it to you. And there's the, the story of Rabbi Hillel. He, uh, he was actually around about the same time Jesus was. He died probably when Jesus was a preteen. Um, and, and there's a story that a... a Gentile came to him and said, if you can sum up the whole Torah, all the law, while I stand on one leg, I will convert. So Rabbi Hillel said this, what is hateful to you, do not do to your fellow. This is the whole Torah. The rest is explanation. Go and learn. Now, those are all pretty good explanations, aren't they? I could probably even stand on my leg for that whole explanation. But here's, do you see the difference between the two? Like they sound pretty similar, right? But there's actually a huge difference between the this, this silver rule and the golden rule. The, the, uh, the silver rule is all in the negative. Don't do, don't do. And that's so easy, isn't it? Here's why it's easier. If I were to tell you, don't punch your neighbor. Look at that. All of you just fulfilled the rule by doing nothing. By just sitting there, you fulfill the rule. It's so easy. Like, that sounds great to us as Americans, right? If I can just sit here and do nothing and be spiritual, I got it. That's so easy. It's great. I'm just going to sit on my hands, and I'm going to be great. And we think that about everything, don't we? When we moved to Georgia, and I saw the yards that you guys have, like, I was overwhelmed. We came from Denver. Our yards are tiny. Our houses are like 10 feet apart from each other. And so I'm like, what am I going to do with this? And I started uh, researching robo mowers. Show, show one of these robo mowers. Have you guys seen these? You set it up, and it just mows your yard for you. It just goes out every... Does, does anybody have one of these? Like, if you do, I want to come and watch it. Like, this seems amazing to me. Like, it would mesmerize me. But we just want to be able to just push a button and sit on our butts, don't we? Like, that's the good life. And, and we think about that in, in, in our spiritual life, right? How can I just sit there and be spiritual? Not lie to my neighbor because I don't want them to lie to me. Not punch my neighbor because I don't want them to punch me. You know? Not gossip about them because I don't want them to gossip about me. 
Like, that's easy. That's what we want to do in life, isn't it? But when Jesus says, do unto others what you would have them do to us, Jesus is saying, you don't get to sit on the bench and do nothing. You have to get up and you have to get in the game. You have to be active and loving and serving and helping others. You, you no longer have the opportunity to just be there. And, and this is our whole sermon in a sentence. The golden rule calls us from inaction to action. From inaction to action. And that's the whole point of this sermon series leading up to now, where we call it True North. We want you to find your compass, be able to read your compass, and learn how to navigate this life. And when we hear this, do unto others as you had to do. This is the simplest explanation of how to live life. Like there's nothing, nothing else I can say that would be simpler for you to know how to live life, is there? Here at Northridge, uh, I don't know if you know this or not, but we, uh, we don't have members, we have partners. Because the difference is, a member, they can come and they can vote and they just go on with their lives. But a partner, a partner is somebody who comes alongside you. They are active. They have skin in the game. They have to do something. So you are partners with us. Let me help you understand this a little bit better. I'm in Georgia, right? You guys like your football, right? It took me like two seconds to figure this out. I'm a quick study. You guys like your... You like your football. How many of you play football or any sport? How many of you play any sport growing up? Like most of us. Most of us played a sport. As an athlete, let's leave that up. As an athlete, where would you rather be? Would you rather be on the sideline or on the field? On the field, right? You've put in all this practice and you've tried so hard. You want to be on the field, putting everything that you've learned into action. Right, but what's happening when you're on the field? You're hot, you're tired, you're sweating, it's difficult, you're risking injury. Your mind is just constantly go, 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 go. What's the next play? Where do I need to be? Who am I defending? And it's hard, right? But that's where you wanna be. You wanna be in the game. But so often, so often we think that the good place is on the bench, on the bench. I'm not tired, I'm not sweating, I'm not risking injury, no, it's not hot. No, I could, I could even win a game while sitting on the bench, right? But that's not where I wanna be. As an athlete, I have trained and I have learned and studied so I could be in the game. So why do we as Christians so often think that we can just come into a service, sit on the bench, and go about our lives like we've learned nothing? That's not what we were called to do ever, is it? Jesus has called us to put action behind what we believe, to serve someone, to love someone, And guess what? It will be difficult. It will. You're gonna be tired. It's gonna be hot. You're gonna get hurt. There's gonna be people, probably other Christians, that criticize you for what you are doing and how you are doing it. And it will be hard. But you're in the game. You're doing what you have trained for. You're doing what God has called you for. Isn't that where you wanna be? It is far past time for us to get into the game, brothers and sisters. 
Here at Northridge, we like to say we're blessed to be a blessing, right? We have been blessed with so much. Are we going to keep it to ourselves? What's the point in that? But what does this look like? There's a story. Jesus tells us a story, and it just answers all these questions for us. You can find it in Luke 10. Um, Jesus is teaching, and a teacher of the law stands up to challenge him. And he says, what must I do to earn eternal life? Jesus says, what does the law say? Well, how do you read it? Teacher law says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. She said, yeah, you're right. Absolutely, you got to do this, and you will live. Well, the teacher law, that's, that's, that's not enough. I've, I just answered my own question. So who is my neighbor? Answer that question for me, Jesus. So Jesus tells this story. He said, there was a man. He was traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho. And on his way, there were some robbers. They beat him, and they robbed him, and they left him on the side of the road, half dead. And a priest, a priest comes along. He sees the man, he crosses to the other side of the road, and he walks on by. Then a Levite, a Levite comes along. Now, Levites just the, a tribe of Israel. They've been set aside. They're basically helpers uh, for the priests. They, they're, they're religious people, right? You expect them to help. But he sees the man, and he walks on by. And then a Samaritan. If you grew up in church, you know this, but some of us don't. Samaritans and Jews hated each other. Like, I talk about hatred. Jews looked at them as half-breeds. They were mongrels. They would go miles out of their way to not travel through the area of Samaria. Like, hey, didn't Jesus puts a Samaritan in the story. Samaritan comes along, and he sees the man. And he picks him up. He cleans his wounds, and he binds them, and he puts him on his donkey. And he takes him to an inn and spends the night with him. And the next day, he gives the innkeeper two coins, two days' wages. And he says, care for this man, and when I return, I will pay you anything else that's required. And Jesus asks, who is the neighbor to this man? And the, the teacher of the law can't even, can't even say Samaritan. He just says, the one who had compassion on him. And Jesus says, go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. That's it. I love this story for so many reasons. And there are several things. There are three things that I want us to get out of this, looking at how to have an active faith. The first thing is that in loving our neighbors, that, that our neighbor are the ones that God puts in our path day in, day out. Sometimes we think we have to go to the other side of the world to help people. We have to do these big, extravagant things to serve our neighbors. But no, what about the people right in our path that we are passing by literally right today? Our coworkers, our neighbors, our literal neighbors, our classmates. I remember there was one time I was driving home from work and I saw a lady on the side of the road struggling to change her tire. And I was tired, you know, been a long day. I justified myself. Somebody else will help her. And I drove on by and went home. Like, it still eats at me. This was 10 years ago. It was probably more than 10 years ago. And it still eats at me. Here's the thing, guys. It's never the times that I did something that was right. It was never the times I did what was right that bothers me. It's been the times that I've seen somebody on the side of the road and I didn't help them that bothers me. And that's our next point, is that Jesus is calling us to a higher standard, 
I technically didn't do anything wrong. The priest and the Levite technically didn't do anything wrong. They didn't break any rules. But Jesus is calling us to a higher standard that instead of don't do, we need to do. We need to get off of our butts and do the right things that God puts in front of us and love extravagantly. I love how James, this is James, the brother of of Jesus, how he puts this. Now, if anybody knew Jesus' heart, it would be James. Like he grew up with Jesus. Until Jesus went off on a ministry, until he was 30, James was there listening to Jesus day in, day out. James says this, if anyone then knows the good that they ought to do and they don't do it, it is sin for them. Oh, like that's a gut punch, isn't it? If anybody knows this thing that they need to do, the good they ought to do and they don't do it, that is sin for them. <clears throat> what if that was your wife on the side of the road? What if that was my wife? I would want somebody to stop and help her, wouldn't you? I would want somebody to stop and help her. What if she was late to pick up her kids? What if, what if she was late for a job interview and she didn't get the job because I didn't help her? The Samaritan, he, he put in his blood and sweat and tears. He, he invested his time and his money. What is more important to us than our time and our money? And he did both for this. And he is the hero of the story. I was no better than the priest or the Levite. And it still bothers me to this day. Now, it's so important, so important that we understand that what Adam said a couple weeks ago, that this is an overflow of love. It's not an obligation. It's not like, a, I got to do this because God called me to do it. No, once we realize that we are so loved because Christ died on the cross, because he loved us so much, then out of the overflow of our love for him, can we love others like that? It is so important that we get that. The last point I want to make is that the golden rule changes everything. Changes everything. The Soviet Union, right before it crashed, uh, they had a huge pollution problem. Their waterways were just so polluted. And so they made a law. They didn't enforce a lot of laws, but they enforced this one, that factories and industries had to put their water output, their wastewater output, upstream from their input. That meant that any water that they brought into their factory was going to have some of what they are putting out. They had to put out a good product, right? Otherwise, they're going to ruin their own stuff. Very quickly, the pollution numbers in Russia started going down. Could you imagine the change it would have in your sphere of influence if you lived by the golden rule? Could you imagine the change it would make in your family, in your place of work, in your school, if you live by the golden rule? What if next time you were at work or school or whatever and somebody started gossiping and you just simply said, hey, is so-and-so here? Are they here? Have you, have you talked to them about this yet? Hey, how about those bulldogs? And just move on. Just move on. Like, I, I know what some of you are saying. I don't want to be that goody two-shoe. I get that. I get that. But here's what will happen if you were to do that. Number one, they're going to stop gossiping around you. And number two, next time that person has an issue going on in their life that they need to talk to somebody about, who are they going to go to? I'm going to go to John because I know he can keep it in confidence. And when you live that way, you can have real life conversations with people that you would never have before. Like authentic relationships. What about in your your marriage? 
What if next time you had a disagreement? My wife and I, we don't have fights. We just have disagreements. I don't know about you guys. What if next time you had a disagreement and instead of saying that thing that's just on the tip of your tongue that, oh, this is so cutting, I just want to say this so bad, instead of saying that, you got up and you went and did the dishes or the laundry. How would that change your family if you lived that way? Could you imagine? What if here in church, next time, by some miracle, you got here early, you know, and you sat down and there was somebody sitting next to you and they just looked a little lonely and you went and talked to them. Instead of assuming, oh, they've got greeters for that, what if you talked to them? Could you imagine how that would change the environment just in this room? At my last church, there was this guy, and he would park at the back of the parking lot, like way out there. There's no need for that. And I asked him once, why, why do you do that? And he said, I never want somebody new to the church, an unbeliever or, or a single mom who has three kids that's struggling just to get into the door to ever have to walk an extra step that they don't need to. Could you imagine if we just lived in simple ways like that where we just loved our neighbors, loved our church, loved our community, how it would change everything, how it would change you. It's time. It's time for us to get off the bench. And it will be hard. It will be difficult. But it's time, far past time, for us to go and do likewise. As we close, I want to do things a little bit differently. You notice up here on the walls, these panels. Uh, Kristen Meyer, our outreach pastor, has put together 10 different ways for you to actively love your neighbors in our community. After, after a minute, I'm going to talk about communion and I'm going to pray. I want you, number one, yes, take communion, but I want you to come up here and look at these and take one. But just... Don't take one. I want you to take it and do it. If you really want a challenge, on on the tables, there are some face down. Like if you say, God, just give me one that you want me to do, take one that's face down and do it. Oh, that's a challenge. Some of these are hard. Also, during that time, Will's going to be playing up here. And, And while he's playing... You can, you can go back and pray. Our prayer team's gonna be at the back. Normally they're up here, but our prayer team's gonna be back there. Man, if like something hits you, like, man, God put this person on my heart to love, and I don't wanna do it, go pray with them. If you're having a surgery, you know, whatever, if you just need somebody to pray with you and listen to you, go pray with them. They'll be back there. At the communion stations around the room, that's where you can get your communion if you haven't already. You can also give. There's offering boxes there. That's a, a tangible way for you to, to give that, that allows Northridge to be a light in our community. So after communion, four things that you can do. And you can just sit in your seat too and just listen to the words that Will sings if you need. But allow God to work through this moment and challenge you, change you. Before communion... There's something interesting about this story of the Good Samaritan that I don't think we so often see. 
so often we say, am I the priest, the Levite, or, or the good Samaritan? But I'm not sure that's who God wants us to look at in the story is us. I think we are the broken man. And I say that very specifically, broken man, because we are broken people, aren't we? There's so many things that we have done and heard and seen and we're just in need of a savior. We're lying on the side of the road, half dead. And then Jesus inserts himself into our story as someone we could never expect. And he comes to us and he reaches down to us. And he lifts us up and he heals us. And he takes us on and he pays our debt. Two denarii, two days wages. It's just enough to cover two days of, of lodging and food and care. So we can assume the Samaritan's gonna return on the third day to complete the work that he's already done. To complete it. I love that imagery. So as you take communion, put yourself in the place of the fallen man. And maybe, just maybe, when we can grasp the grace that he received, that we have received, that you and I can go and do likewise. So God, we come before you so grateful for the cross, for what you have done for us, that you would reach down and lift us up, pay our debt, and make us whole. And God, because of that grace, God, we pray that you challenge us in how to actively love our neighbors in this room, across Milledgeville, around the world. But God, transform us, change us. That's in your name we pray. Thanks for listening to this message. You can keep up with what's happening at Northridge on your mobile device through our Northridge Christian app. If you have any questions about Northridge, you can contact us at info at northridge.online.